You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Well, good morning again. Uh, I am excited this morning. We are going to start a message series where we will be going through Romans chapter 12. But before I get too far in, I just want to make sure you guys know who I am. And in case you're new around here, my name is Ben Anderson, and I'm an associate pastor here at the church. I've been on the team for, it'll be four years in January uh, when the church called me here. And it's been an awesome four years, and my wife and I love serving Lima Baptist Temple, and and we really love you guys. So we find ourselves in this situation where we are looking for a new senior pastor, and it's been a really good month of October so far. The last few weeks, Pastor Gary took us through a message series called New Beginnings. And I just want to remind you real quick of three questions that he reminded us of that helps us prepare for that new pastor. Uh, The first question was, are we a people that have our hearts right with God? That was the first week. The second week, he challenged us, are we a people that have our eyes focused on Jesus Christ? And then last week, he wrapped up the series by asking us the question, are we a people that follow in the footprints of Scripture? And if there was a question that this series would represent, I think it would be, are we a people that are passionate and transformed by the gospel? And that's what Romans chapter 12 is all about. It's about the gospel transforming our life. It's about transforming our relationship with God It's about transforming our relationship with each other within this building as Christians. It's about transforming our relationship with the world. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be tackling and looking at those different things. Uh, In one of my seminary classes, I was reading about a preacher, a Methodist preacher named William Booth. His wife's name was Catherine. Um, And you guys might be like, that name kind of rings a bell. And it should ring a bell. So back in 1865, uh, William Booth started a mission over in London, and it was called the East London Christian Mission. Today, that's known as the Salvation Army, right? We're all familiar with the work that the Salvation Army does literally around the world. But throughout his life, because of the significant impact that the Salvation Army had on different towns and on different people and on different things, William and Catherine would get asked the question many times. They'd be like, how is all of this happening? And William Booth would respond almost every single time, and he would say, Jesus Christ has all of me. Jesus Christ has all of me. And I don't know about you, but that's not always my response when people ask me, oh, things are going, things are going great. I don't necessarily, it's more about my accomplishments. But he says, Jesus Christ has all of me. This was the only logical 
and reasonable thing that he could come up with for the impact that the Salvation Army had throughout the world. And his legacy still lives on today. Um, I looked this up this week, and about are over 14 million people are impacted by the Salvation Army every single world. And that's not just in the United States. That's obviously not locally here in Lima. That is around the world. So that is the question that I have for us today. Does Jesus have all of you? Are you all in when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ? If we look at our ordinary life and everything throughout the week and all the little details, have we given all of that to God each and every day? Everything from our family to friends to sleeping and work and everything in between. Is the gospel changing your life? And this is exactly what Romans chapter 12 is talking about in the first couple of verses. But I want to kind of take a step back and just remind you of a couple of different things. So Paul is writing to the church and to the people um, in Rome. He actually hasn't been there, right? He, right in chapter 1, it says, hey, hopefully someday I can come and see you. So that's one of the reasons why he is writing a letter. He also writes to remind them of the gospel. So there weren't any major issues that Paul had to address to this uh, group of people, but he wanted to remind them of the vastness and awesomeness of the gospel. Uh, This was also an area where there were Jews and Gentiles, so there was probably a little bit of tension there. So we see some of that come across in the book of Romans. But Paul is explaining in the first 11 chapters just the details and the awesomeness and the power of the gospel. Then, where we're going to pick up today in chapter 12, it starts to get really practical, right? It talks about how the gospel transforms us and how we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus each and every day. But let's go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. I just, we're going to focus on the first two verses today. And you're probably thinking, Ben, how are we going to you know, di- dissect this for the next 30 minutes or so? Well, let me tell you, there is plenty to talk about. So Romans 12, the first two verses, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Those are going to be the two verses that we focus on today. But before we really dive into the first point, I want to point out a couple of words that make all the difference for this chapter and even the rest of Romans. I want to point out the word therefore and the word mercy. See, these two words are the foundation for everything else that we're going to talk about. And just kind of a side note, whenever you see a therefore, that's always kind of pointing back to something either in the previous chapter or the previous chapters. So in our case, what is the therefore referring to? Well, let's see. It's referring to, we can see that in a few words over, the mercies of God that Paul is writing about 
in the first part of Romans. That's the details of the gospel. That's God's extravagant graces on our life. That's his mercy. But that is what Paul is writing about. And you might be asking, Ben, why is mercy or God's mercy such a big deal? Well, let me tell you, we all have a sin problem. We're all a mess. We all have issues in our life, and we need Jesus to come in and clean us up. So you guys are probably a little bit familiar with with what's called the Romans Road. So these are some passages that oftentimes are used to lead somebody to Jesus, and these are those mercies that Paul is talking about. So I want to kind of quickly uh, take us through those. So Romans 3.23, you guys are probably all familiar with this verse, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? We're all sinners. There's nothing that we can do uh, to be holy in the sight of God. We can't obtain his glory because we are sinners, right? That's the base. That's, that's the truth. Then we go to Romans 5.8. This is great news, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we see Christ's love here. That's, a, that's one of the mercies Paul is writing about. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what do we deserve? Because of our sin, we deserve death, but we have this free gift of eternal life. That's one of the mercies that Paul is writing about and referencing in chapter 12. Uh, Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is mercy at its finest, right? Because of Jesus, and for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're not going to be condemned for that sin. And then Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And those are the mercies of God that Paul is talking about here. And obviously, the first 11 chapters, he's getting into the nitty-gritty details in the power of that. But Paul is saying God deserves all the glory and praise for those mercies. And that's exactly how Paul ends chapter 11, right before we get to chapter 12. So I want us to look at Romans chapter 11, just the last three verses, and here's what it says. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So that is what Paul is talking about when he says, hey, therefore, and then when he's talking about mercies, that therefore is referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's referring to his mercies. And as Christians, we just haven't received those mercies once, right? We continue to receive those on a daily basis. But here's the whole point that I want to make with this, and it's there on the screen. The therefore of all that Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, the therefore of the gospel should be on display in your life each 
in every day. It shouldn't just be something that transforms our insides. It should transform our whole entire life. The inward transformation that the gospel creates should lead to that outward transformation. The therefore points to the roots of the gospel that gives us the strength to live that out each and every day. And that, my friends, that is what Romans 12 is all about, the gospel transforming your life. And like I said earlier, this is, we're going to look at this as it relates to each other, as it relates to our relationship with God, that's what we're looking at today, and our relationship with the world. It's very, very practical. So this leads me to the first point uh, that I want to make this morning. Number one, the gospel transforms you to offer everything to God each day. See, when we're transformed by the gospel, we show that Jesus is the greatest and that he's the most important thing in our life by how we use everything that we have, everything from our bodies, right? Are we pure? Are we doing things that are Christ-honoring with our bodies? How are we using our time? If somebody, if I were to show, I don't have my phone up here, but if I would show you my calendar, does it look like it's, I'm giving that all to God each day? As moms and dads, are we giving that to God each and every day? What about our money? If we look in our checkbook or our bank account or however else you track that, could somebody say, hey, that person is a follower of Jesus. There's a big difference in how they use their resources for the kingdom of God. But it's the totality of everything that we are to offer to God each and every day. And that's Romans 12.1, just to read it again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. <clears throat> I want to point out this phrase or of a living sacrifice, this is a really strong couple of words, right? In the Old Testament, you know, they would take the animals to the priests and they would offer a sacrifice to stay in a right relationship with Jesus or with God, right? But now that we have Jesus Christ and he died for our sins, he was the ultimate sacrifice. And we aren't, you know, a burnt offering like then. We are a living one. We are to offer everything to God each day. And even throughout the day, it's continuous, it's ongoing, it's something that's repetitive over and over and over again. You might ask a question. You say, Ben, okay, that kind of makes sense, but why would we do this? What is the purpose of that? And it's kind of like what William Booth said, right? This is the only response that makes sense because of everything that God has done for you and I. This is worship. It's offering everything in our life to God. It's the only logical response. Some of your versions say, you know, it's the only reasonable service. It's the only thing that makes sense because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. 1 Corinthians 6.20, this verse says that we were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. And we do that by offering ourselves to God each and every day. See, this is worship. This is spiritual service. This is actually our identity, right? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And it's important to point out, God does not need us 
to offer ourselves as a sacrifice, right? <clears throat> we don't, he doesn't need that from us. We don't offer ourselves as a sacrifice to make us holy. We offer ourselves as a sacrifice because we are holy and we are acceptable because of our relationship with Jesus and what he did on the cross because we are children of God. And this might be a good time. I love those two words. In my Bible, I have it circled, holy and acceptable, right? God's gift to us is holiness. It's not something that we do to him. You know, circle that and say, hey, I am holy. I am acceptable. There's nothing that I need to do as long as I have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, the best place to start being a living sacrifice is right where you are today. You might, you might be like, Ben, well, what does that really mean? Well, maybe you're a mom or maybe you're a grandma. Maybe you're a mom and you're just really struggling with the day-to-day -day and it's frustrating and it's discouraging and uh, the weight and responsibility of kids and poopy diapers and yelling and screaming and I could keep going on because I have three young kids. But maybe the weight of all that seems unbearable. You say, God, take this all. Use it for your glory. Maybe you're on the other side of that. Maybe you're a dad like me. Maybe it's been terrible and you've been yelling at your kids. I know I yelled at my kids a little bit too much this week. And I actually had to take several of them and apologize for that, right? But maybe I need to take that and say, God, take my role as a father. Take that and use it. I give you everything. But what is that thing in your life that you're just holding too tightly to? What's that thing that you need to give to God and let him transform you? Because you're being a living sacrifice and offering that to him. But the gospel transforms you, and our response should be one of offering and sacrifice to God. God wants all of you for your entire life. This is a complete change in lifestyle. That's what it's talking about as a living sacrifice. We're literally giving it all to God each and every day. But here's a second point that I want us to see from these two verses. Number two, the gospel transforms your mind to be set apart from the world. The gospel transforms your mind to be set apart from the world. See, being a follower of Jesus requires a completely different mindset. And Paul, and we see it throughout uh, several of his books, right, challenges us that our minds must be very different and are very crucial when it comes to being all in for the gospel and for God each and every day. See, our minds are the control center for our mind, right? If I stand up here and dance or do whatever, you know, that signals from my brain going out to, to my body. Recently, or actually not too recently, but I've always been amazed when I go into airports, right? Uh, the one that always probably fascinates me the most is the Atlanta airport. It's just massive. It's huge. It's chaotic. There's planes coming in all the time and all around. And they have that one control tower, right, that controls every airplane, every flight path they're directing and making sure there's not a major catastrophe. And Paul's saying the same thing. 
You know, our minds are the control center for everything that we do. And if it's not set apart from the world, there's going to be major issues that come along the way. The transformation of our mind is so key to offering everything to God each and every day. So we see that in Romans 12.2, really the first part of that verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing or renewal of your mind. And we'll get to that second part of that verse later. Conformed. Let's talk about that. Conformed means being squeezed, being pressured into a pattern. He's saying, do not be squeezed into the pattern of this world. Uh, Another kid story. That's just the stage of life I'm in, right? So you're going to get some kid stories every now and then. But I don't know about you, but my kids are, I got eight, four, and one and a half. And they love making messes. They love slime. Uh, One wants to make slime today. They love Play-Doh. They love anything they can get their hands on and mold. But one of the things that's always fun watching them, especially with Play-Doh, is there's all these different tools that they use, right, to put the Play-Doh in, and they're squeezing that, and they're molding it into what they desire. And this word conformed, just kind of picture that Play-Doh. If we aren't careful, our lives are going to be squeezed and molded and shaped by the world. And the world is constantly squeezing us and molding us and trying to get us into its way of thinking and behaving. And here's the deal. It's often very subtle. Maybe you're thinking, well, Ben, right now there's so much going on. It's not so subtle, but it's full of lies. Just think of some of the examples of things that we have going on that as parents and even as followers of Jesus, we just have to be so mindful of that our kids and our families aren't being shaped and molded by. You know, for example, you know, for the last, I can't even, don't even know how many years, you know, it's okay to kind of pick your gender, right? You can figure that out at birth. And I'm not saying that's right, but that's what the world says. You know, if you're not happy being a guy, well, hey, that's okay, switch it to a girl. And if you're not happy with either of those, well, you can just be neither of those. I mean, it's crazy. You know, marriage is often old school from the world's perspective. That's another, you know, lie that's being told. You know, even the more, I don't know, common ones, but just fame and success is more better than serving and living a humble and quiet life. You know, it's that idea that it's all about me versus giving everything to God that will actually produce more satisfaction and more joy and fill us up more full than anything the world has to offer. But church, we need to be so, so vigilant because the world is constantly trying to conform us to its way of doing things. And that's what Paul's saying. He says, hey, don't do this. Do not be molded like Play-Doh and squeezed into the world's way, but be transformed by the renewing, renewal of your mind. See, you cannot live out the calling that God has for your life if you are constantly being squeezed into the pattern of the world. A life transformed by the gospel and a life conformed to this world, they they're not compatible. You know, we see this in chapter 8. Life in the Spirit is not compatible 
with life in the flesh. If you and I are not constantly renewing our minds in the gospel, our love for this world is going to increase over time, and we're going to be molded into its way of doing things. Does anybody remember the story of Demas? And it's not even really a story, right? It's, he's mentioned like, I think there's one sentence, maybe two in the whole Bible about Demas. But Demas was a missionary partner with Paul. And we see the outcome of the life of Demas when Paul is writing to Timothy. It's at the end of uh, 2 Timothy, I believe. And Paul is writing, and here's what he says. Because Demas left, Paul gave up his calling because his mind was focused on the flesh and he was conformed to this world. Here's what he says, 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. See, Demas gave up everything because he was molded and shaped more by the world than God's word, rather than by the spear. By, and he was not renewing his mind. And you know what? I bet this just, I bet he didn't just wake up one day and it was just an instantaneous change. I bet this was a slow slippage over time in Demas's mind. There are two mindsets that I think we need to be very, very careful of and that the devil likes to use, Satan likes to use, when we're faced with giving everything to God, there's these mindsets that pop in, and they're two extremes in our thinking. I think one, when we're faced, to, faced with giving everything to God, we'll say things like, man, that just is kind of crazy and outrageous. I don't really need to give everything, you know, my pocketbook or my money, oh, right? And it could be a whole host of other things. Well, no, I'm pretty good. My job, I got this. I don't really need God's help. And I could keep going and going and going, right? So we have the one extreme thinking that's crazy and outrageous. But here's the other one that might be a little bit more subtle. You know, I think oftentimes we tend to think when we're faced with giving everything to God, we're like, eh, that's not too big of a deal. That's no big deal. I think both of those extremes can get us into trouble in our minds. But that is exactly what happened to Demas. His mind was molded by the world, and he could not please God any longer. I love that little sentence about Demas because it's a great reminder. I, I think of us young Christians and, and young families, you know, where we're raising kids, and here's Demas. He literally gave up his calling and everything because he loved the world. And we have to be so, so careful that we do not get ourselves into that same position. Uh, a few chapters back, I want to remind you of Paul's other words. He talks about the importance of the mind uh, and the flesh, right? And the spirit all working together, or I should say how they don't work together. Romans 8, 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And I think here's, here's the point, right? It is very clear that as a follower of Jesus, it requires a different mindset. It's not a casual mindset. It's not a mindset that's just like, oh, we'll just see what happens. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be cupcake and rainbows and life through rose-colored glasses. No, it requires a very specific mindset. Having our minds set on the Spirit brings life. Say, Ben, that all is good, but what does it actually look like to transform and renew my mind and have my mind set on the Spirit? Well, this could be a whole nother message, but at a high level, a couple things. Transformation is this ongoing thing, right? It's not this instantaneous event. It's not just once and done. Transformation is something that happens to us, and it's not by us. Us in our own strength, we cannot transform ourselves. It's just impossible. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. There is nothing you or I can do to be transformed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 really helps us out with this, and it says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And that's the key. The Holy Spirit renews our mind, and it's in a process, right, until Jesus comes again one, one day. And the bottom line is you and I need to stay in the gospel daily. You know, many of us, I often use the phrase, you know, we're unbelievers. There's areas in our life where we do not believe the gospel or the promises that God has for us, and we have to renew our minds by being in the gospel and in the word daily. And here's how you are transformed. You are transformed when the power of the Holy Spirit works through God's Word and applies that to your life. You have to have God's Word and the Holy Spirit works through that. And that's what last week's message was about, right? Uh, Pastor Gary was going through um, uh, Simcha Torah, which is the annual ending of the reading of the Torah, and the Jews celebrate God's Word. They celebrate the Torah, and he gave us all these reasons why we too, as Christians today, can celebrate and rejoice in God's Word. And he gave us eight reasons for that. 2 Corinthians 4.4 shares the outcome or what it looks like when we are conformed to the ways of the world. It says this, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, Satan does not want you in the word. Satan does not want you uh, being in the gospel on a daily basis. He doesn't want you having this fluent understanding of it. He wants your mind blinded and conformed to the world. But as followers of Jesus, we are holy, we are acceptable, we are set apart, we have the gospel, we have all these good things, the mercies of God, and the Holy Spirit works through God's word to transform our minds to be 
set apart. And this kind of takes us to our last point this morning, and it's this. The gospel transforms you to know and do God's will. And that's that last phrase of verse uh, 2 in chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, the purpose of being transformed from one degree of glory to another is so that you and I can know and do God's will for our lives, the will of God that's good, acceptable, and perfect. And here's kind of how it all ties together. When your mind is being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit, applying God's word to your life, you are going to want what God wants for your life. You're going to want God's best because God's way is the best. I think we have to be careful here. This isn't going to give you some you know, window into the future, right? The more you're in Scripture and the more you're yielding to the Holy Spirit and the more you're communicating and praying with God, you're going to desire the things that are in here and your life is going to better and more powerfully line up with what God wants for your life. And as we respond to different circumstances and situations and hardships and trials and all these different things, our response is going to be more biblical and more lined up with God's word. And there's three things I want to point out when we're transformed. When we are transformed, when you and I are transformed and our minds are renewed and we're in God's word and we're being led by the spirit, we will know what God wants but we will also do what God wants. And I would even go as far to say we will want to do what God wants for our life. So as we think about these first two verses, they're very quick. I just want to read them one more time. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That's the gospel. That's the awesomeness um, of the gospel and everything that God has done for us through his son, Jesus to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So the only response that makes sense, the only response that's reasonable because of the gospel is to give it all to God each and every day as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And we cannot make ourselves holy. That's what God does for us. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So as we kind of close up shop this morning and as we, you know, prepare for the time to respond to, you know, kind of what the Holy Spirit has placed on our hearts and been working uh, with us about, I want to go back to the very beginning and to that question that I says, does Jesus Christ have all of you? Are you all in for the gospel? Is the gospel changing your life? Is the gospel transforming your relationship with God? Or is it just kind of like, eh, I haven't really thought about that before. And as we'll see in the coming weeks, we'll see how the gospel affects our relationship with each other in the church and how we serve in the world and all these great things. So are you all in for the gospel? 
you know, you might be here this morning and maybe you're like, Ben, you know, that all sounds great, but man, I'm just, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, that kind of goes back to some of those first verses that we read near the beginning. You know, one of us pastors would absolutely love to talk to you about that. But I want us to pray about standing firm in a culture that wants to bold us into its way of thinking. I want us to pray about what does that look like for each of us to literally give God everything each and every day. And I want us to pray that the gospel would transform you and I, to better understand what God wants for our life. But as Robin comes, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so thankful for your word. Uh, We're thankful for how the Holy Spirit works in and through us and applies your word uh, to our hearts and uh, convicts us and works with us and uh, is responsible for uh, spiritual growth in our life, Father. Uh, Just like it says in 2 Corinthians, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. And we thank you for that, Father. But Lord, I pray for each person in here this morning. I pray that we would be a church that is about Jesus, that is about the gospel. I pray that when people look in, they would be able to tell, be like, man, there's something different about them. And I pray that as we go about searching for a pastor, even a new pastor coming in would say, hey, There is something different about these people. They take the gospel very, very seriously. But Father, there are so many different things going on with uh, just the people sitting in this room. There's some that are sick and hurting, and there's some that are going through marriage problems and everything in between, Father. I pray that as we just respond this morning, whatever the need, that we would literally give that to you so that you can do a work in our lives. Father, we just thank you and praise you for it all. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.